All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, speaking to you from New York City on this, the seventh day of September, 2021. Before I talk more about today's show, I do like to remind you that I am the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. You can sign up for that letter by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com. Call our number in New York during regular work hours, 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. We do also like to uh, suggest that you consider signing up for Chen Lin's letter, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? ChenPicks.com is the uh, website to go to sign up for Chen's letter. And we want to thank you all for listening and making it one of the more listened-to shows on the Voice America Business Channel. Also, want to encourage you to send along whatever comments, questions, or whatever comments you might have to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. Questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. I also want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. This week's sponsors are Noble Resources, El Oro Resources, Hannon Metals, Labrador Gold Corp., Lion One Metals, SK Mining Corp., NV Gold Corp., and Firefox Gold. I've titled today's show, Making Sense of a Financial World Run Amok. Frank Holmes and Chen Lin return. Walter J. Buckley visits for the first time. If anyone can help us make sense of the world that seems to rely more on miracles of technology and concepts of equality rather than merit, it's Frank Holmes. From his years of experience managing precious metals and natural resource mutual funds to starting an airline ETF and now to serving as executive chairman of Hive Blockchains Technologies, Frank Holmes can bridge the gap of understanding between a traditional investment mentality and the mysteries of cryptocurrencies. We will look to Frank for some portfolio guidance in this rapidly changing world, as well as Chen Lin, who will join me after our first commercial break. Chen specializes in biotech stocks as well as energy and precious metals miners, and his connections in China always provide some good insights from people he knows and speaks to in China. So I look forward to talking with Chen Lin right after our first commercial break. Before we go to our first commercial break, I want to introduce to you a longtime friend of mine named Walter J. Buckley. I prefer using the name Jay because that is the name that he uses most of the time in his daily activities, and it is the name I use whenever I speak with him. I learned to know Jay when we worked together in the 1980s at Westpac Banking Corporation in New York. We have remained friends since then. All told, Jay has had a 40-year career in banking. Since we worked together at Westpac, Jay has gone on to work as a vice president at Midland Montague, and then he spent the last 27 years as a managing director at Credit Agricole CIB. Now in retirement, Jay enjoys spending time with his family, sailing, golfing, and serving as a board member of the Guide Dog Foundation and America's Vet Dogs. 
I have personally donated to the Guide Dog Foundation because I believe this 503C organization does some very good things for humanity, and that's why I've invited my friend Jay onto the show today to tell you a little bit about the Guide Dog Foundation. Welcome, Jay, and thanks so much for joining me. Well, thank you, Jay. I really appreciate that very much, and uh, and again, thank you so much for making that kind donation that you uh, provided, a, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Well, you know, it's said that um, dogs are man's best friend, or something like that. I think that the saying goes, and it certainly they are adorable animals. And uh, I know we met up with uh, you have one, uh, a vet dog, I think, a, a retired dog, I think, uh, a German Shepherd, very very beautiful animal, and uh, they are just lovable. Animals, I think God gave them to us because he loves us and he wants us to, to enjoy life, and they really are a blessing, aren't they? Yeah, I agree. And, and, and yes, my dog Rocky, Sergeant Rocky, is a <laughs> retired uh, veteran service dog who we adopted five years ago, almost exactly five years ago, and he's been a real blessing to us. And yeah. that's actually how I became interested in and uh, how I got to know the, the America's Vet Dogs Foundation. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that Teresa and I met up with Rocky, too, a, a few uh, weeks ago or so, earlier this summer anyway. Well, anyway, uh, tell us a little bit about the history of the Guide Dog Foundation and how they are such a blessing to people who have special needs, especially. I mean, I don't know that you have any special needs, Jay, but you they're just lovely to have around you, but especially people that have special needs. These dogs can be trained to really provide some help to them, but tell us a little bit about them. About the history. Yeah. Well, Jay, the America's Vet Dogs began in 2003 as a project of the Guide Dog Foundation for mm -hmm. the Blind to mm -hmm. consolidate and increase our outreach to veterans of all eras. In 2006, it became a separate 501c3 not-for-profit organization that serves the needs of disabled veterans, active duty service members, and responders with disabilities, allowing them to once again live with pride and self-reliance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I remember seeing the guide dogs, Jay. I, I worked years ago, many, many years ago, I lived and worked in Morristown, New Jersey, and I saw them training for the blind people, blind people being trained to use the guide dogs. Uh, I guess they're still used for that purpose, right? And and what are some of the other things that these guide dogs are used for? And and who, what kind of people do they, uh, do they really help? Yeah. Now, our service dog programs um, were created to provide enhanced mobility and renewed independence to U.S. veterans, active mm -hmm. duty members, and first responders with disabilities. And, our, and we provide guide dogs for individuals who are blind or have oh. low vision, Jay, uh -huh. uh, hearing dogs for those who have lost their hearing later oh. in life, mm -hmm. service dogs for those with other physical disabilities, facility dogs as part of the rehabilitation process in military and VA hospitals, and specialized service dogs to help those who have PTSD in an effort to provide emotional and physical support needed. Mm -hmm. For a veteran with a serious limb injury, an amputation, or traumatic brain injury, a service dog can provide stability and support climbing up and down stairs or oh. getting in and out of a chair and can be trained to fetch and retrieve specific items, for example, a medication, a wallet, or a, or a phone. <laughs> for veterans with seizure disorder, oh. our dogs can be trained to be alert for seizure response. Oh. And that, in fact, is what Rocky was. He uh -huh. was a one of those specialized uh, service dogs. And when we drop things to this day, he'll he'll go he'll go over <laughs> and pick it up for us, <laughs> which is really great. <laughs> yeah, I think we saw a demonstration of that perhaps when when we were visiting with you. Um, where where do these where are these dogs trained, Jay? 
Yeah, we have a campus, a 10-acre campus out in Smithtown, Long Island, Jay, mm-hmm. which houses our administration office, our training center with kennel space for up to 174 dogs, breeding and development center for our puppies, and our student, student residence center out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, can you give us some idea of how many people have been helped over the years by, by guide dogs? Do you have any number? Yeah. Yeah, we have placed over 1,000 assistance dogs with disabled veterans, including mm-hmm. guide and service dogs, combat stress control dogs, and specialized therapy dogs. So it's it's quite an undertaking. It's, mm-hmm. It tells it you know it takes a long time to train these dogs, Jay, and and it's um, and I've actually had a chance on many occasions now to go out to the campus and and watch these dogs being trained. And furthermore, the veterans that we we do uh, give these uh, dogs to, I've actually seen them. They they live on campus for a couple of weeks uh-huh. with the trainers uh-huh. and they get to know their dogs and they learn how to work with their dogs for the specialized needs that they have so mm-hmm. it's quite a quite a thing to say and it's as you said i think you, you phrased it very nicely it truly is a blessing to mm-hmm. watch how these dogs and these these veterans uh get to know each other and how they bond it is it is mm-hmm. really something that it actually brings tears to your eyes when you see what it does yeah. for them sure and and I think I saw something uh, about George Herbert Walker Bush, maybe in his older age. He you you guys provided a a dog for him. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. We are very proud of that fact that we trained and placed service dog Sully H. W. Bush with the late <laughs> President Bush uh-huh. in 2018. And I had the chance to meet Sully at one of our recent fundraisers. He's, uh-huh. he's quite an amazing dog. And now that you know, you know late President Bush has passed away, we, he's serving our patients at the Walter Reed National Medical mm. Facility now. So he continues to provide his, uh, you know, his services to those in need at the Walter Reed Medical Facility. And as as many people would have seen, he was the dog that was you know when you saw his, uh, President Bush's funeral and you saw his casket there and wake, you saw the dog uh, sitting by his side. That was Sully. That was uh-huh. the dog that we trained specifically for President Bush. Uh-huh. Uh, I think you have a personal story to relate as well. A, a Marine sergeant, perhaps, that you would care to yeah. share with our listeners. Sure. And also, I just wanted to mention to you, Jay, um, that we it costs over $50,000 to mm-hmm. breed, raise, and train and place one of these assistant uh-huh. dogs, yeah. and that it's never a charge to the veteran or first responder. Sure. All, all of our funding comes from the generous contributions of individuals, corporations, foundations, mm-hmm. businesses, and service and fraternal clubs. Mm-hmm. But, but to answer your question, I do have a personal story because it really caught me by surprise. Mm-hmm. As you know, I, I like to golf, mm-hmm. and one of the places I like to golf is at a local golf course here mm-hmm. at, at the VA Center. Mm-hmm. And it was about a year or so ago when I went up to the starter. Um, the, the starter was a, a guy who was about six foot three. He um, looked a little bit like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and he, you know, like, and this guy looked like, try to imagine G.I. Joe at six mm-hmm. foot three on steroids. This guy would look like he was in great shape and he looked like he could literally, you know, you know, chew metal. For, you know. <laughs> but, but he was there and I saw a dog with him and I saw that the dog was wearing a vest. So I went over to the dog and I looked at it and it said America's vet dogs on it. So I went over to this sergeant and I said to him, hey, you know, I see that you have a service dog. He goes, yeah. He goes, um, I got it from the America's Vet Dogs. And he started to tell me a little bit about it. And I said, just so you know, I said, I was, um, I'm on the board of directors there. And he just immediately just stopped and he looked at me. And tears came to his eyes. Uh-huh. He came over in front of my friends and gave me a hug uh-huh. and, and said to me, he goes, this dog changed my life. Mm. He goes, I have PTSD. 
He goes, mm. and I tried to commit suicide. I was oh. on the brink of committing suicide on several oh. occasions. He goes, this dog has saved my life. He goes, I can't tell you how blessed I am to have him. He goes, and I thank you so much for your service. Mm. And I said, you're thanking me? I said, you were a Marine sergeant yeah, deployed exactly. to Afghanistan. Three tours of duty. Oh, my and, um, and I said, I thank you for your yeah, service, sir. Absolutely. I, said, I do nothing in comparison to what you did. So that was my personal story. And just yeah. made me very proud to have be a, to be affiliated with the organization, Jay. Sure, and and uh, you know our listeners, anybody that really if they're touched by this story, by by maybe a lot of people listening to this story, this uh, show, know people who have been back from service and who have been harmed in one or in one way or another. Uh, certainly, there is a way that we can help, and um, and maybe you could explain that to our listeners. Sure. And I appreciate that. Yeah, my ask today, Jay, for your listeners is um, to please donate anything you can to our wonderful organization for those who served us so honorably. And especially, can, as you can imagine, now that we're mm. seeing how things have unfolded in, yes. in Afghanistan yes. and how these these brave men and women that have been so uh, so highly trained and have given so much of their lives so if if you really can, it would be great if you could go to our website, and I'll spell that. It's www.vetdogs.org. That's www.vetdogs.org. And simply press the Donate button on the top right part of the page, and there are several ways one can help us, and your support is so, so much appreciated. Yeah, As I yeah. said, all of all of this, we provide these free of charge to these veterans and also first responders, Jay, mm-hmm. not just veterans. Yes. And um, so, and so, all of these donations go so much. Uh, it's it's just a wonderful organization. And I'm sure there are an awful lot of people that uh, could be helped if the financial means were there to do that. Right. So. Yep, that's yeah. exactly right. A lot of people out there in need. Uh, all of these wars we've had for so many years, and at a time like this, I, I can definitely believe that it's a time. More than ever, that these veterans need uh, need this kind of help. Jay, thank you so much for being with us and telling us about this story. It is a very heartwarming story, and uh, you know, normally we're we're looking at gold and making money and so forth, but the but the human side of life. I mean, we sh- we work hard because we want to help each other, and this is one way people can definitely do that. Thank you so much for being with us, Jay, and uh, we'll look to keep up with you in the future uh, on this very worthy uh, cause that you have been engaged in. Thank you. Thank you, Jay, and thank you to your listeners very much. All right. Well, folks, uh, don't go away, because coming right up after the break, I will be talking to Chen Lin, who will update us on his latest thinking about China, the equity markets, and perhaps a comment or two on the gold and gold share and biotech markets, as well as his uh, latest uh, comments uh, on the uh, job numbers that came out this past Friday. So don't go away. I'll be right back with Chen Lin. Firefox Gold is actively exploring in Finland, where recent discoveries have sparked a new gold rush. Firefox controls a major portion of a prospective gold belt, giving the company a distinct advantage for exploration and strategic partnerships. The company's strong international leadership team, combined with its Finland-based exploration specialists, will put Firefox on the crest of the coming wave of gold discoveries. Firefox Gold trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol FFOX. Go to firefoxgold.com to subscribe for updates. SK Mining Corp. Trading under the symbol ESK on the TSX Venture and ESKYF on the OTCQB is a mineral exploration company targeting precious metals, rich VMS deposits in the heart of British Columbia's Golden Triangle. 
SK Mining controls a prospective land package totaling 130,000 acres, which lies across a geologic trend that once hosted the prolific SK Creek Mine. With a world-renowned geological team, funding in place, and shareholders such as Eric Sprott, SK Mining is on the cusp of a world-class discovery. Go to skmining.com to subscribe for updates. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really happy to have with me once again, Chen Lin. Chen is the author of What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? And you can subscribe to his excellent newsletter, his money-making newsletter, I should say, at ChenPicks.com. Welcome, Chen, and thanks for joining me again. Thank you, Jay. Glad to be here. Always good to have you with me, Chen, for your ideas, because uh, they are unique, they are yours, and, uh, you know, it's... uh, I think this is the original thinking process that uh, provides so much value for your for your subscribers. Uh, before we go get into this today, I would like to ask you just your comments on on the uh, uh, on the employment numbers this morning. Quite quite shocking. I think quite lower than expected. Two hundred thirty five thousand. I think um, non farm payroll numbers. And uh, I know Bloomberg was looking for seven hundred thirty three thousand. So that's just about. A third of what they were looking for. What What are your thoughts about today's numbers? And were you surprised? Oh, I was a little bit surprised. Uh, but you know, there's a there's a talk. Uh, I, I I subscribe to other uh, also newsletter. We exchange actually idea with other newsletter writers. People are very specialized on that. It seems mm-hmm. to be that uh, uh, there's a lot of education uh, job. Two hundred thousand mm-hmm. was not you know was pushed back. Or whatever. Oh, so there, there, there is not that bad, but it's bad. This is a, is a pretty bad. Um, but it shows, you know, the Delta variants actually probably threaten a lot of industry, like the travel and leisure. There's very little job gains from that area versus huge job gain. Actually, they re- re- revised up last month. It's mm-hmm. over 1 million, actually. Mm-hmm. So actually, that makes uh, the next month's job. Uh, data very interesting mm-hmm. uh, because uh, we have the unemployment benefit cut off right cut off uh, in in a few days we, we won't have you know unemployment people won't get the extra benefit anymore right so they right. have to start looking for jobs uh-huh. <laughs> so that, yeah. that actually makes uh, September uh, job number very interesting to see if there's how, how many job gains you know if any and and second it's probably will put the Fed on hold for September. There's so much talk that the Fed wants to start tapering, make an announcement at least in September. I think this is a done deal, right? Mm-hmm. So they won't do anything. They probably just oh, we will see. You know, they they very they will just use as excuse. They will uh, they will see it maybe in November, right? What's the next um, Fed meeting? Mm-hmm. And and then that makes uh, we have a. Two job numbers, right? We have a September and October job number, right. so they can 
potentially look back and decide whether they're going to taper that. I should push back the schedule probably to um, early next year. Mm -hmm. I, I think you know that's probably earliest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have no doubt that this uh, this COVID variance is uh, causing people not to travel as much. I was just uh, over the lunch hour today was uh, you know was listening to them say that people are hitting the roads. They're they're driving more now and flying less. So. I think people are just not really wanting to get on an airplane still to a great extent. Well, we, you know, tapering is a big question in my mind, Chen. You know, I have this sort of notion that tapering is more talk than action. Uh, that, that we saw when they tried to taper during Bernanke's days, yet it didn't go so well. Interest rates go up just a little bit, and all of a sudden the equity markets start to tumble. But do you think, um, you know, how seriously do you take tapering? When, why would they want to do it? Because, you know, doesn't everybody want to have the party continue? <laughs> yeah, everybody wants to have a party, especially the uh, Powell is for the uh, re-election. Right? Yeah. Next, next year. Mm -hmm. So I think he will try to make this as smooth as possible. So he should try to delay it as, as long as he could. But right now you see the overnight report is unbelievable. There's so much cash in the bank. They've got no place to put. Uh, there's no use. Right now the the mortgage application start to drop at the you know, the, the, the mortgage rate, the mm -hmm. loans uh, availability start to drop because their housing is so expensive. People just uh, yes. are not buying so much. So the fact to keep on buying at such aggressive pace, uh, it creates another problem. Uh, what I feel is power, he probably would try to, you know, taper a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then get to his re-election, and then we'll see. <laughs> yeah, so I, th I think that they, they probably can do ten, ten billion. You know, reduce by ten billion, uh -huh. and then the slow pace, and then see if there are any any problem, right? And then very, very on a very slow pace. Yeah. So they'll buy ten billion less of treasuries or uh, mortgage-backed securities or whatever that is the Fed buys. Uh, and that's against what is what are they buying now, Chen? How much are they spending now? If I remember correctly, sixty billion. Uh -huh. It's a very, very large amount number. Right. They just put so much money into the the banks. There's you know flooded with cash. They have mm -hmm. to go overnight repo, and mm -hmm. we know that it's, it's, it could create another problem. Mm -hmm. So I think for Powell, after watching him in the past years, he probably just trying to take it as. Uh, Timid step as possible, mm -hmm. as a little step, and don't take any risk and get reelected first. <laughs> so yeah, he wants to. He wants another term at the Fed, and uh, there are some people, especially AOC and those on the more far left of the Democrat Party, are not, aren't. They would like somebody, I guess, a little more aggressive than Powell. But Powell is trying to do everything it seems uh, to politically to stay in power. So we'll see how that goes. But. Um, yeah, taper. I mean, it's just crazy too with interest rates. Chen, banks don't really have any incentive to lend. I mean, they can't get enough interest rate. They can't get enough interest to cover their their losses. Essentially, with you know, I mean, they can't can't charge anything yeah. essentially. So it's exactly, and then they're sitting on so much cash, they have mm -hmm. nowhere to put, and mm -hmm. that's the problem. You know, it's not that like they don't have enough money. So yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's certainly, uh, you know, it's certainly here, as we're recording this on Friday for our show on Tuesday, I should mention that, um, it certainly has given gold a boost today. Gold is up, I don't know, oh, yeah. 20 $22 oh, yeah. or so as we're speaking. Exactly. Go, go, go back to the critical uh, 1830 area. Mm -hmm. They plan to 
pit through 1850. I knew uh, for a fact a lot of people were shorting gold ahead of the, the labor market number, uh-huh. top number, and now they got <laughs> flat-footed. See yeah. if they cover or not. I think that we have very decent chance uh, gold will penetrate through 1850. That's when the you know, short will force to cover. Mm-hmm. Actually, we can have another rally, but that mm-hmm. will be very, very nice. Starting September, we have mm-hmm. a rally. Mm-hmm. So, what do you see? The um, you know, with with inflation numbers rising dramatically, do you, are you concerned about inflation, Chen, or do you think that's going to run its course here? I mean, a lot of people are certainly both sides of that argument. A lot of people that are saying, well, you know, the economy is not nearly as strong as they thought it was. Uh, you know, we could have an equity market decline here. There could be a lot of factors that could, um, you know, that that could that could uh, tamper uh, the inflation rate or you know put it, make it temporary. Right. Right now, the, the household balance sheet is probably the best because of all these stimulus. Right? Yeah. The stimulus check is. Uh, there's a lot of money uh, in in household. It's a transfer from government to people. Uh, there's talk depending on democratic. There depend on the election and next year. Right, depending on if Democrats can keep the control. Mm-hmm. If do they may transfer more wealth to 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 mm-hmm. the uh, general public. That can be very inflationary. Mm-hmm. Right, because right now I heard people people are showing me. People, when they buy new cars in California, they were just uh, 10,000 over sticker now because there are so little cars available yeah. because of chip yeah. shortage. Yeah. And then all the people with all the money want to buy a new car. So, uh, yeah, yeah that's, uh, that could be an inflationary effect. Yeah, so we, yeah, you know, we're yeah. combining shortages and uh, you know, chain um, supply chain disruptions all around the world that are, uh, that are causing prices that are playing a role in the rising prices along with this enormous amount of money that's pumped into the system. But Chen, I know you pay a lot of attention to China. You know people in China. You talk to people there. What are your thoughts about China and how they fit into this whole equation? And I know with regard to gold, you always uh, think China might have a role to play in that as well. But what are your thoughts about China now in general? Yeah, China right now, they could be heading into a slowdown, mm-hmm. and there could be significant slowdown. Uh, part of it, the you know, Chinese government recently just started to, uh, uh, to, to really hammer those big business. They want the wealth transfer. They want the social equality. <laughs> this is yeah. like AOC, but it's yeah. 10 times more. Okay, so they want, basically, they want the wealth transfer from the, the big company to the little guy. So mm-hmm. they want the social justice. They want all the, all the other. But with those kind of changes, a lot of times, they create uncertainty for mm-hmm. the company, for the mm-hmm. business. Sure. So I, I think, I, 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 you know, I have hard to imagine all these CEOs in China got concerned. Okay, uh, so I think the 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 growth uh, for in China for next year is cloudy at most. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and could head into significant slowdown. Uh, so, but again, if China head into slowdown, Chinese government the first thing they do they were just uh, infrastructure spending. They just build all these uh, railroad and maybe empty apartments, mm-hmm. maybe all the whatever. They just build the way out. That's the typical. But I don't know if they, you know, the, the things I see, uh, I mean, of course, I have to watch carefully for the next few months. 
it could China could head into some significant slowdown hmm. when you know when we have rebalance the COVID a little bit more under control. Uh, the country like India and Vietnam they start to can start manufacture. You know, I mm-hmm. think China could could be in little trouble next hmm. year. Interesting. Well, we think if China slows down significantly, that has to have an impact on a lot of commodity prices and other things as well, though, Chen, in the short term. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I have concern with energy, with oil, even copper, 50% copper consumption in China, you mm-hmm. know. So it, despite all the green thing, all these electric cars, Goldman mm-hmm. said the demand was going up. But if China really slowed down, the base metal could be, uh, could have some trouble. Right. Chen, I can't let you go before I ask you about biotechs because you are the biotech king as far as I know. Um, what are you seeing in biotechs now? I know you've, you've mentioned it. it's been pretty bad a good part of this year so far. Recently, you felt that maybe the biotechs are turning around. Uh, what are your thoughts now about that sector? Yeah, so uh, biotech is one of the worst hit. Actually, people are saying, oh, airline, cruise line were hit worse by the COVID. No, it's biotech was uh, hit most bad uh. by COVID. Why? Because they multiple fold. Uh, COVID prevented the, the trial because they have all these trials going on. Suddenly, the hospital, they, they have uh-huh. a COVID patient. And then suddenly all the people participating in the trial, they don't want to go to hospital anymore. Mm-hmm. So there are so many companies, the trial got delayed for a year. Very mm-hmm. common. Trial COVID also stopped the new drug from reaching to consumer because uh-huh. because uh, the people don't go to a hospital anymore. They just remote talk to their doctor. Doctor just gave them the old drug, right? The new mm-hmm. drug, you have to marketing it. You have to sh- tell the doctor. You have to show them. You have to, uh, to, those virtual marketing so far has been disaster for those new drugs. So all these things together co- combined with this the patent talk, you know, by the administration, they, that uh, didn't help. Okay, so biotech is having one of the worst year in decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, I think it's, it's good uh, for investors. Uh, keep an eye on, uh, keep an eye on big price, right? Uh, big, big drug innovation, and uh, that uh, it can have a very significant uh, 2022. So that's what that's what I'm looking at. And uh, you know, we talk about Trisida. I mentioned a few, yeah. also quite a few. I have, and uh, I'm starting accumulating from mm-hmm. now to the end of the year. I do not know whether tax loss selling will create better opportunity or not. But I don't, but I start to, to accumulate the position here. Yeah, you mentioned Triceto on this show a couple of weeks ago, and a very interesting company. They are going forward with their uh, with their trials, I believe. They're um, you know, the, uh, yeah. a drug for kidney. Oh, actually, going going better than expected if you listen yeah. to their conference. Yeah, actually, yeah. Because their drug is for those uh, chronic uh, kidney disease dialysis, so the other patients have no way to go. So that's actually the, the trial has no interruption. The stock was down ninety percent. <laughs> Good for us, right? Yeah, so, it's uh, uh, it 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 certainly is. It's down uh, it's down today and on Friday as we speak a bit, but. Uh, Triceta. Very low volume. If you look at the volume today, volume is so low. Yeah. Uh, so far, I, I look at uh, the volume, yeah, 60,000. Yeah, very low. Like yeah. yeah, so, very I low. Mean, if you look at the Steve Cohen bought more than 2 million last quarter. See? Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, that takes a lot of effort to buy yeah. 2 million shares because yeah. so little share up. Yeah, yeah. TCDA is a symbol, uh, trades yeah. on the NASDAQ. And, uh, you still like Amorous, too, for the long run? Oh, yeah, I like Amorous. Amorous got a high guitar today as well. So mm-hmm. all these uh, uh, small biotech, uh, I think maybe some sell-off before the Labor Day weekend or something. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been very hard today. 
All right, Chad. Well, had a very good a few weeks. Uh, past three weeks, I've been very good on that, except yeah. today. Yeah. I guess we should just mention that you're going to be at the Metals Investor Forum. It's going to be a virtual event. It was supposed to be in Vancouver, but because of the the COVID setbacks here, it's going to be a virtual event. So how can people hear you and in the companies that you're going to be taking there? You've got American Pacific, Kodiak Copper, Wanawato Silver, Lakewood Exploration, and Firefox Gold are the ones that I see here listed for. Some of those are followed uh, in my newsletter. And one, Firefox Gold is a sponsor to this comp- to this uh, radio show. But uh, how can people be sure to listen to that, Chan? They can, they can view it virtually. Yeah, they can register for free at uh, virt- uh, Meadows Investment Forum, uh, the website, and uh, you can also ask questions uh, during mm-hmm. the presentation. So if you have any mm-hmm. question uh, for this uh, Management, you can ask right at the presentation. So it's on the 17th of this month, two two weeks from here. Exactly, two weeks. Well, we'll look forward to that, Chen. Thanks again for being with us. Uh, we are out of time. Uh, we'll want to do it again sometime real soon. Get your uptake on, uh, get your get an update on some of these exciting stories that you cover for your subscribers. It's ChenPicks.com, folks. If you want to sign up for Chen's letter, Chen, thank you for being with us again. All right, uh, folks, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away. Frank Holmes will be with me to talk about gold, cryptocurrencies, the airline industry, and a whole lot of other things as much as we have time for with Frank Holmes. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Lion Wine Metals is focused on high-grade gold in Fiji, led by legendary Canadian financier Walter Barakoff. Lion One is permitted for production and drilling for discoveries in one of the most exciting high-grade gold projects in the prolific South Pacific Ring of Fire. Lion One trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol LIO and on the OTCQX under the symbol LOMLF. Go to our website at liononemetals.com for more information about Lion One Metals and high-grade gold in Fiji. Labrador Gold is an exploration company focused on its flagship Kingsway project located in central Newfoundland Gold District. Labrador Gold's first phase drilling program has successfully identified high-grade gold mineralization, including the 3.6-meter intercept, grading 20.6 grams per ton gold, and 1.85 meters, grading 50.38 gram per ton gold. The company has approximately $35 million in the treasury and is led by a world-class team of CEO Roger Moss and technical advisors Sean Ryan and Quentin Henney. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Frank Holmes. He's the CEO and Chief Investment Officer of U.S. Global Investors. That's a public company. Trades in uh, on NASDAQ uh, under the symbol GROW. He's also the Executive uh, Chairman of Hive Blockchair Technologies, and that trades in Toronto under HIV 
E, I believe, and also in on the NASDAQ under HVBT. Thanks for joining me again, Frank. Jay, it's great to be with you. It's good to have you here. And, you know, I was prepared to ask you some questions about, um, oh, about uh, Social Security and a bunch of sort of common things we talk about on this show, the financial situation, markets, interest rates, all that sort of thing. But then as we were ready to come on, you told me about something I wasn't aware of, uh, and that has to do with Bitcoin and um, El Salvador, I guess. Would you care to share that with our listeners? Yeah, El Salvador is um, uh, a country that said they were going to take make uh, Bitcoin legal tender. That is, uh, the currency be converted into a Bitcoin, like the U.S. dollar used to be able to convert into gold. Um, and and normally, you know, it would get lots of positive publicity, except for the, the concern is this narcos in that country. It's not like Paraguay, uh, where they have green energy and Paraguay as a, a conservative government, uh, as a banking system. So that was the big worry. And it's interesting that today was the big day and Bitcoin rallied over the weekend. Um, it hit $52,000 and just got crushed down by uh, $10,000 in and all that positive publicity started off the morning, and it just got crushed. Um, and immediately, that ecosystem and the crypto world is just the government, um, the U.S. and the EU. These, this, sort of the I've written about it, Jay, and I've talked about it. The G7 uh, finance cartel um, that, as long as they can participate in their MMT, modern monetary theory of printing money, collectively then um, they don't have to worry about one country going currency affecting another. So all of someone comes to El Salvador, and there's just no rational reason for it to break like that. And, and that crypto space, that ecosystem, is so diversified and global around the world. Uh, and, and I think it's really fascinating that they sound like GATA today. Yes. Uh, that, that's what it reminded me of hearing all the chatter that is government manipulation through the futures market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, they created a futures market. I mean, there is a futures market for Bitcoin and I guess other cryptos as well, right? How about Ethereum? Ethereum, both, both of Bitcoin. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, there, so just as the Gold Antitrust Action Committee has been telling us for years, you see these huge smackdowns all of a sudden in a matter of 10, 20 minutes, uh, you know, 100 bucks comes off the price of gold with massive paper contracts, nothing real changing hands, just really just the futures markets, um, massive selling, and of course by central banks in, in the case of gold, uh, according to GATA, and they have unlimited resources, they can create money out of thin air, the banking system can, and just smash the market. So is that kind of what you think might have happened today? Well, that's what, that's what the crypto eco people play, say, you know, I... Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, you know, and hearing the chatter. And, and I think the big difference, you know, I'm trying to help with the gold investor. Here's the similarities between that crypto ecosystem and gold. Is that gold historically has been the most decentralized um, private property, portable private property in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very important. It's portable. It's private property. Uh, it's like a non-bearer bonds we used to have them. Um it, and and so, you, even your car. I mentioned uh, you can't drive your car without getting your updated license every year and uh, your sticker for your car. So it's really right. 
property. But gold is. You can take your your bracelet off, your 24-karat gold jewelry in many places around the world and get yourself out of a bad country or get yourself medical care. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so digital money, Bitcoin comes along, and, and Bitcoin is that same sort of thing. It's decentralized, and... Um, and you can move it around. You can go from one country to the next easily or between two parties. And governments don't like that. They, they, they want to have everything centralized of which they can control. So you can see that most of the um, um, more left politicians, the more left they are, are more anti both gold and Bitcoin. Right. So they share some commonality here. Uh, and the big difference that I see is that Gold investors like myself and yourself, we're there about preservation of our wealth from from government printing of so much money and and, Mm -hmm. uh, devaluing the currency over time. The the crypto space is all about getting rich and being faster than the government's going to destroy your money. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. one is motivated by sort of fear and is a a sort of a fear trade, and the other one is a greed trade. And that's the big difference I see with young millennials and we see that in our ETFs, like we talked about in your program before about jets. It really got discovered by the millennials. Yes. Um, and, and GoAU, it was the millennials that uh, bought it because it's a quant gold product. They rely, they like the idea of the quant mm-hmm. approach. And, um, and that's the big difference. One is to get rich, uh, be faster than what the government is doing. And the other one is saying, I can't stop what the government's doing, but I can preserve my wealth by having some gold exposure and rebalancing every year. Right. Well, is it fair to say, Frank, that gold you can put in your pocket, you can't do that so easily with Bitcoin or Ethereum? Well, yeah, it's, that's true. But what you can do is you can put it in your pocket with a little chip. You know, you can. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think the nicest part is you can't wear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 60% of all gold demand globally is for love. Uh, yes. Trade is still so critical. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Bitcoin, you need electricity. You don't need electricity to be able to port your, move your uh, uh, gold around, but you need electricity mm-hmm. to move your Bitcoin around. Mm-hmm. I noticed in your letter you quoted uh, John Paulson with regard to Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies in general, perhaps it was. He said eventually that, that uh, cryptocurrencies will, currencies will eventually prove to be worthless, end of quote. Um, what do you think? I mean, you're involved, and I want to ask you about uh, about your about Hive uh, because it's it was a profitable company last year, at least. I don't know how it's doing this year. Maybe you can comment on that. But what do you, how do you answer John Paulson then? Well, this this is old school of thought, um, and I like to give the example of diamonds. In 1947, after World War II was finished, um, all the soldiers are coming back, and Eisenhower came up with the the big plan to rebuild Europe at the same time interstate highways across America, mapping out 25,000 miles. That put all the men back to work. And also, mm-hmm. that that's, um, gave big disposable income, and then all these young men wanted to get married, and out of nowhere, De Beers contacts, they form a cartel, they control the supply of diamonds, there's a big discovery in South Africa, they get to control that, and then they go and hire heirs in New York and Madison uh, Avenue to go and create a program of a new form of trust. Uh-huh. And that's what gold is about. Gold is about trust. Uh, and, and that you value and you trust it. Like in, And so all of a sudden, this intangible thing called love yeah. gets validated by a diamond. Mm-hmm. 
It's 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 something intangible is validated by something tangible. Mm-hmm. Diamonds go from ten dollars to a hundred dollars to a thousand dollars to ten thousand dollars a carat. <laughs> so it, and then then De Beers did it again in 1965 in Japan. And if you look at the data points, only two percent of Americans um, were using diamonds to get engaged with, and uh, now it's eighty uh, percent. And the same thing is with Japan. Uh, it was a very small component, less than less than five percent, and now it's seventy-five percent of Japanese women expect to get a diamond ring if this guy's going to get in, wants to engage with them. Mm-hmm. So if you can trust that this in, this this piece of rock, four tetrahedral-shaped carbon, then mm-hmm. why can't you trust Bitcoin? It was decentralized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you get enough people to believe it, and there's capped at 21 million coins, that's like capping gold at 21 million ounces, and enough people trust it, it goes to gigaline in prices. Mm-hmm. That's what Metcalf's Law suggests, and that's what's been occurring. But it's yeah. going to be very volatile on that path. So mm-hmm. I think the operative word, like do you trust government policies that they will enhance the value of the dollar over time, they will devalue the dollar? Of course, Yes. And so once you believe that, then uh, what's, your ask, what's your protection from that? And one is being an you know, early investor in great new ideas, a disruptive technology, or making sure you have exposure to the world of gold. Mm-hmm. And now it comes along Bitcoin mining and Ethereum mining. And, and what the advantage we have right now is that when we go raise money and spend it, we can get immediate cash flow and revenue it takes a lot longer with all the regulations against gold, gold mining. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable uh, over the past 30 years to see how difficult it is to explore, uh, to process and move a brick of gold. Yeah, I just it just seems to me, though, that whereas you talk about the diamonds and also um, you know, about Bitcoin, it seems to me more artificial in a way, though, than gold and, and silver, too, to a lesser extent. Those over thousands of years, the marketplace, I think, determined that those were that those items were transferable uh, means of wealth. Uh, it just seems to me, maybe I'm the old school, along with Paulson and some other people we know, but the idea that somehow you've manufactured this demand rather than a, you know just occurring organically. I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago called the Metaverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zuckerberg talked, used the word many times. There's a book, a book written in 92, and where they first talked about crypto money. And, um, uh, and, and, and the idea of living in the metaverse, it's like the matrix. You take the red pill or the blue pill. Do you want to see reality or you don't want to see reality? Uh, and, and that metaverse is, is part of that digital money experience. And you, you have to embrace it because you and I are going to pass our wealth on to our children. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they have a complete different view of the world. So uh, I don't think my boys were. I don't know if your son was, but big in gaming. But in gaming is now an NCAA sport. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, you know, I guess I guess it's that old you know proverbial issue of when you get old, it's hard to change. And I'm 74, Frank, and I have a little difficulty with some of these concepts. But I do acknowledge that that's you know we do have to change, and and things are changing and changing very rapidly it seems to me uh, Ooh, concepts of what money is I mean this metaverse thing just seems so wacky to me but I know it's coming it, it, we're in it now you know digital money is all part of that yeah, um, yeah. 
and, and what is surreal and real. Uh, and, and I think it's all, you know, fasting. The, the magic is to try to be ahead of it. So I've always advocated this 10% weighting minimum in gold or rebalance once a year. And if you want to play the volatile, you could do once a quarter. And then at least 2% into Bitcoin, um, Ethereum. And the safest, cleanest way is to, you know, use Hive as a proxy. Um, and I thought that because we're much more volatile, you wouldn't want to have a diversified portfolio with the DNA of volatility of crypto. Yeah. But for time, it makes higher highs. And, um, and, and there is a big push for digital money because the government wants it. What we all have to recognize is history. And you talk mm -hmm. about old guys like you and I. Well, the Medici's were involved in the creation of double entry accounting. Mm -hmm. And this is profound, along with the Doji at um, in Venice. Uh, mm -hmm. It allowed for the creation of banking, and uh -huh. that allowed for the demographics of a middle class. So if you look mm -hmm. back, the middle class, the haves versus the have-nots, and the haves never want to share anything with the have-nots. They want them all live in serfdom, like slaves. Yeah. But along comes the banking that starts funding a, a middle class, and they start creating businesses, and, and it grows. Well. What we're dealing with now is blockchain is triple entry accounting. Mm -hmm. and, and that is a big game changer. That is this whole debate in Georgia over, over the elections and voting. If it was put on the blockchain, it's perfect because you would be able to know who voted, where they voted, uh, when they voted. But you wouldn't be able to, any of the public could see all of that. But no one could see that that was your name, Jay. Mm -hmm. That's what's kept confidential. Mm -hmm. So from a voting point of view, blockchain is phenomenal. And from because of this concept of triple entry accounting, because you have something that is time stamped and is transparent, mm -hmm. except for your private property rights, you the person. Really? Uh, and, and so I think that this is how things are evolving. And a lot of these young kids, they buy into gold, um, the concept of it. And, um, and, I, and I think that... They, they believe that like, like gaming, they're going to be able to make more money faster if they're playing in the front end of this change rather than the back end. And so governments, uh, so you see a movement, an, an inevitable movement towards, towards cryptocurrencies as are, as, as with governments having control of them, Frank? The government, there's no doubt the government is, is trying to slow it down so they can come up with their own. Take right. a look at J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan knocked crypto religiously on 2017 and 2018. They stopped in February 2019 when they launched their own cryptocurrency called mm -hmm. a stablecoin. Stopped it. Facebook was knocking. They wouldn't let you advertise on it. Uh, anything with crypto couldn't talk about it. And so they came up with their own coin called Libra. Well, if you want to see a case study of government intervention, take a look at Facebook's Libra coin. Mm -hmm. As soon as they announced that, Bitcoin jumped from 6,000 to 14,000, and then the G20 and the Bank of International Settlements did a, just an incredible pile-on that they beat up Zuckerberg, and uh, now they changed <laughs> the name from, yeah. from uh, uh, Libra to, to the Diem, D-I-E-M, uh -huh. uh, and, and, and they don't want that guy to have an independent cryptocurrency, they don't Facebook to be this sort of decentralized mechanism. So the governments are scared because they're trying to come up with their own, and they're just slow at getting the technology. The most advanced, it appears, is China. And China doesn't want a Bitcoin either, so they threw all the uh, Bitcoin miners out of their country. 
but because they're coming with their own digital currency and they want to support it with gold. So they've been the biggest buyers of gold. Uh, and, and so digital money allows governments to actually tax better. They can tax every tip, every transaction. Uh, yeah. A couple of years ago, we had one of our analysts in China and he couldn't get toothpaste or toothbrush with a credit card or cash. He had to oh. have like WeChat, like pay, uh, iPay uh, uh, on your telephone uh-huh. uh, to pay. But no one would accept uh, cash or credit cards. They're, they're old school. So, is, that wide, is that widespread in China now? Yeah, widespread. So China wow. skipped uh, telephone lines and went right to mobile te- telephones. So China skipped a lot of um, old construction and basically we came out with new speed rails, the most advanced technology in having a, a speed rail. Um, so I, I think that this is the same thing here. And the other countries like the U.S. and Canada and the British, they all want to be able to have digital money of some form. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the question then is how does one play it? You know, you're, you're suggesting that Hive, and as I look at Hive, the share price hasn't been all that volatile as compared to, say, BTG, whatever that um, that ETF is that, that you can buy Bitcoin with. Um, it, it, it hasn't been all that it hasn't been all that volatile, has it, Frank? I mean, and, and no, you've made it's, money. You've, you've no, it's been no, a profitable it's a, company. It's extremely uh, volatile. Um, the daily volatility is seven percent. Tesla is oh. six. Bitcoin oh. is five. The gold and the stock market's one. Ah, so so, it, so Hive is very volatile. Very volatile. But the nice part is that our revenue has been growing. We keep putting reports out. Uh, that uh, and we keep buying more equipment. Uh, I think our total inventory before the correction today was worth 130 million dollars of cash and, and cryptocurrencies. And uh, we're mining. Uh, our run rate um, is over 600,000 a day. No, we're doing about 300 million a year now. Run rate. You know how long that would take to do that in a gold stock? <laughs> yeah. Scratch. You know. Yeah. It's really hard to fathom it, but um, it is throwing off tremendous amounts of revenue. And the other big part is that what we think is, you know, this idea of digital everything. Uh, these data centers, we're buying our own, building them. Uh, our, our GPU chips from NVIDIA are very valuable, not just mining Ethereum, but for all quant trading, all AI research for cancer, um, any other data controls where they're trying to monitor for smart cities or traffic or people buying beer or uh, a Twitter account, uh, all uses AI. They all need those GPU chips to try to figure things out. So we feel at Hive, we have a unique position for long-term growth. Uh, Frank, with just a few minutes left here, I see three minutes, my, uh, my engineer is telling me. Uh, I, I believe that Hive made a profit of um, 28.5 million or something like that last year. Is that right? You know, we're, we're, we're waiting to get our financials filed the next 10 days. Uh-huh. And, and it's pretty public. You know, you can calculate how much you're going to make almost to the, to the T. And um, we'll have a banner, banner year. This end of March should be banner. Um, and, uh, and so I, I'm, I'm very tickled by, you know, we'll shock the street, uh, try to tell people. But it's public. Anyone that has a, a good uh, analytical model, you can download every day our hashing power, and you can mm-hmm. calculate, you know, with a 10% uh, uh, confirmation what our revenue and cash flow is going to be. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm very thrilled by it. 
I'm thrilled uh, what we've been doing with it. I just came back from a week being in, in, in the Arctic uh, up in northern Sweden, 100 miles from the North Pole. Uh, so uh, um, I'm very, very excited about what we're doing with it. Is that where you're mining up there? Yeah, we're mining Ethereum. Uh-huh. All the and, way up there. Uh, all the way up there because it's cold air. It's always cold air. And, and it's only green. So one of the things that Hive did from day one is to have an ESG strategy and only mine green and clean coins. Where most of these other companies now, they run out and buy carbon tax credits to offset wow. their carbon footprint. Not us. We're, we're free from that. And that can cost you an extra five to $7,000 a coin. So I'm happy where we are positioned. Frank, this is really interesting. And I think I'd like to invite you back sometime just to talk about uh, about Hive and, and educate our our listeners a little bit more about it. You know, we're gold bugs primarily, um, but you know, I think this is a very necessary topic and one we should all know more about. Uh, if you're willing to come on, I'd love to have you back sometime just to focus on that. Would and you ask your son. Your son's a very bright guy, you know, young man, and uh, he's going to know about that space. So I had to learn through my son, Jay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, that's, that's true. They, they, we have friends that have a network is very different than their network. Yeah, well, that's true. That is absolutely true. They live in a different world than I do, that's for sure. Uh, Frank, it's so good to have you back. And I, you know, we could have talked about the normal things, sort of, sort of the boring things about uh, Social Security and debt and, you know, all this stuff. But uh, this is really interesting, and I, I'm really thankful that you could be with us today. So thank you very much, thank and we'll look to, look to do it again, and hopefully about, about Hive. Thank all you right. so much. Thank all right, you. Frank. Well, folks, that is it for, uh, for this week. Next week, Michael Oliver is back along with Dr. Quentin Henning. Uh, he'll be here to talk about SK Mining. They're onto a VMS deposit that looks very much like uh, SK Creek, uh, the SK Creek mine, the famous mine. Also, um, Tabe Costa and Kevin Smith of Crescat Capital will be with me for the first time. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. NV Gold Corporation, trading under NVX on the TSX and NVGLF on the OTCQB, is a gold exploration company focused on uncovering the next multi-million ounce gold deposit in Nevada with an aggressive exploration season ahead in 2021, a tight share structure, strong management ownership, key strategic investors, a globally recognized technical team, report coverage from industry gold experts, and a strong treasury. Visit NVGoldCorp.com to learn more on this exciting story.